Welcome back to the Middle Tech Podcast. My name is Nate Antetomaso. I'm here with Evan Knowles coming at you live from downtown Lexington, Kentucky at Base 110. Shout out to Tim Guthrie and everybody here at Base 110 for letting us record the podcast. If you guys need a place to work, come check out Base 110. And on Fridays, they have freelance Fridays. You can come work for free. It's a great place to get some stuff done and network with some professionals. So this, uh, back to the podcast, this is our first episode in the Long on Lex series. Hashtag Long on Lex. It's all about our positivity for the future of Lexington, Kentucky. We're going to talk about all the projects that are going on in this city, um, the improvements that have been made and are going to be made for years to come to make this a world-class city. Um, hashtag Long on Lex is how we're going to share it. We encourage you to do the same and tell us why you're Long on Lexington. You can do that with at Middle Tech Pod across all social media. So our first episode today is with one of the best guests to get it kicked off. It is Scott Shapiro. Scott is the Chief Innovation Officer at Mayor Jim Gray's office. He has had his hand in a lot of projects over the last couple years, and we talk about all of that here on the podcast, from the University City designation to the gigabit internet that's coming to all of the city, and even to the spin bike share program that you've seen around town. Um, It's a great conversation. It's a great way to talk about why we're long on Lexington. So let's jump into it. Here it is, Middle Tech Podcast with Scott Shapiro. Welcome back to the Middle Tech Podcast. Once again, my name is Nate Ants Tomaso. I'm here with my co-host, Evan Knowles. Hey, everybody. How you doing, man? Doing well. Yeah. Um, so this is our first uh, official episode of the Long on Lex series, where we're, we're jumping into the startup community, the innovations that are going on in the city of Lexington, um, and telling why we're long on it. Yeah. Yeah, the whole idea is just to highlight, you know, what's going on here in town uh, that makes us, you know, believe that Lexington's going to be you know, an awesome place for technology to grow, um, and not just technology, but business in general. Um, and so the long on Lex kind of hashtag, we're going to start pushing that um, and create a series out of this. Yeah. And I, I think we have the perfect guest for the yeah, first episode yeah. of this. Um, so today we are super excited to be joined by Scott Shapiro, the Chief Innovation Officer at Mayor Jim Gray's office. Hey, everyone. How are you doing this morning? Doing well. Thanks for coming Enjoy. in and joining us. We're happy we to be here. appreciate it. Um, so just right off the top, do you want to give a little bit of a background either on yourself or your role or, you know, just kind of, you know, set the stage for what we're going to talk about? Sure. So the chief innovation officer role uh, is in Mayor Jim Gray's office. He created it. Uh, I'm the, the first one in it, but it's we didn't pioneer it. It's happening in other cities around the country. Um, different cities define it a bit, um, bit differently. The way we look at it here in Lexington is how do we create... Um, transformative projects that are hard to pull off um, in the normal way that the city does does business. Um, so for us, that's meant a few things. One is sort of this original partnership with um, uh, Mayor uh, Fisher from Louisville and the Brookings Institution on sort of a regional economic development plan. Um, and also this idea of what kind of city Lexington is, this benchmarking initiative that we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, and thirdly, we can talk about the, the big fiber project that's happening right now. Yeah, awesome. 
I think we kind of want to we want to jump into all of those. Um, yeah. Know, where do you think we should start? Why don't we start with the University Cities study you did? Yeah, sure. I think that kind of sets the stage for, for the sure. other yeah the other projects. Yeah. So we we had heard just you know kind of behind the curtain here for all the listeners we uh, met with Scott once before and before that even me and Evan had heard of this university's university cities initiative um, and then we met with Scott and just got so much more in detail yeah. um, and realized he he was kind of the pioneer of, of that whole initiative um, so instead of me just rambling on about it you. Want to talk a little bit about the, the work that you did there? Yeah, sure. So um, I'll start by saying that there's a website for all the stuff that I'm about to talk about. It's universitycities.org. Um, so this was an attempt to understand Lexington in a deeper way based on data um, and see who our peers are. Love data. Um, yeah. <laughs> Michael Mayor Michael Bloomberg has this famous saying, like, you um, uh, unless you're uh, a deity uh, to come, coming to a meeting, you have to bring data. Uh, I botched that a little bit, but it's uh, give, give or take, that's pretty close. I've never heard that before. I like that. Um, so the, the idea was benchmarking, what can, looking at some statistics, comparing Lexington to other cities. And what I started to discover is that Lexington is, <clears throat> does really well on a range of, of um, data that one can collect on cities, um, startlingly well. So mm-hmm. we have very low violent crime rate here in Lexington um, per capita. We have a high rate of entrepreneurship. Um, we came out of the recession faster than other cities, um, and the economy adapted in a more innovative way than other cities um, on the whole. And so there was a series of data points and I realized that there are other cities around the country that shared the same sort of set of data that were similarly off the charts that it was all um, cities who were former college towns that have grown up so Lexington turns out is very similar to Madison uh, Ann Arbor Fort Collins Durham Chapel Hill and Lincoln Nebraska um, and what all these, this, it's like these cities share this DNA that's perfect for the 21st century economy, whether it's startups mm-hmm. or the knowledge economy. It's, if you were to design a city from scratch, you'd, you would design it like Lexington and like these other cities. Um, so the, the data shows, and again, all these cities have major research universities in the center of the city, and that is a key driver of all this sort of constellation of magical effects. Um, so all these cities are really like the big coastal cities in some ways. So there's lots of talent. So on average, there's about 50% of people in these cities have bachelor's degrees or above. The rest of the country is 30%. That's a big difference. Um, yeah. And, it's, <laughs> um, and that drives a lot of things. It drives higher median wages. It, it tracks knowledge economy jobs. Um, it raises wages even for people who do not have bachelor's degrees or above. There's a labor economist in Berkeley, uh, Enrico Moretti, who's shown that. For every 1% more sort of uh, your population that has a bachelor's degree, um, there's a corresponding 1.9% increase in median wages for folks without BAs. Sorry, let's get into the weeds a little bit. But there's this sort of this shared prosperity that you have in these cities. Um, but they, But again... To jump back to the uh, comparison with the, the big coastal cities, 
they mm-hmm. we share with them um, high rate of folks with, with uh, uh, higher education, uh, high rate of entrepreneurship, so number of uh, business starts per capita, outsized arts and culture sectors. Um, you can measure that. That's why everyone feels, <clears throat> you know, here in Lexington, there's just lots, lots going on. Um, resilience coming out of the recession. Other cities struggled, but the big coastal cities and places, university cities like Lexington, sprinted out of the recession and their economies adapted mm-hmm. to the newer so economy. What are some forms, like what are some signs that they adapted faster? What are some indicators that you come out of that faster? So the, the way you measure that, um, and this, there's a study on this that we're going to post to universitycities.org, is if you look at the, um, the shift in industry employment through the, the um, post-recession years, yeah. or before the recession and after the recession, if you're seeing a shift instead of just, a, just unemployment, right? If you have a major employer and it moves out of town, your employment's going um, to dip significantly. But if you have an innovative economy and adapt, you're going to see that employment shift to other industries. And you see that at a higher rate in university cities than than in other cities. Yeah, got it. And that's, you think that's due to the the resilience of the people in general, just their background and their education? That's right. These are cities where there's just ideas and innovation in the air. Again, Mm -hmm. coming out of the university, um, so... It's like these big, big cities in that there's lots of talent and lots of culture and lots of entrepreneurship, but university cities are, are unlike the big coastal cities in that there's very low cost, which is great for startups, yeah. um, very low unemployment, um, and very low violent crime. Got it. So, so you first just started looking at, at the data of Lexington versus other cities without even making the connection of it's because we have a major university and we, we've grown up. Once you started comparing, that's when you realize this is a new trend and almost a new designation. Right, exactly. So we're, um, we're sort of coining that term, university cities. Mm-hmm. Everyone sort of knows what a college town is. So the idea is, um, even without diving into the data, you can have this general understanding of what a university city might be. I think it's a great term. Yeah. Other cities have picked it up, so the other um, five university cities have started using it as well. We had a, a conference at UK on the idea, mm-hmm. had some economists talking about it, had some um, think tank folks from um, Brookings um, talking about the idea. We had Ed Glazer, who wrote Triumph of the City, economist at Harvard, was our keynote, um, who's also written about this idea of concentrations of human capital in cities and, and what happens. Um, we had folks from Bloomberg Philanthropies and the Knight Foundation, um, some uh, entrepreneurs and funders of, of startup companies. Um, so this whole, uh, and we had mayors from some of the other university cities. We had folks from Ann Arbor and Fort Collins, uh, Mayor of Fort Collins, Mayor of Lincoln, all here talking about this idea um, and swapping on policy. So our hope for that conference was, hey, if it works in Madison and we are a very similar city here in Lexington, Mm -hmm. um, you know, a given interesting policy might would would um, would would, could travel. Yeah. So what was the timeline of this? Like, when did you first, you know, start diving into that data? When was this conference and, you know, what are kind of the next steps for the university city movement and the website and everything? 
Yeah, sure. So, um, again, all this is on universitycities.org. We um, started several years ago, and I actually worked with um, a, the head of the chair of the statistics department at UK, sort of another benefit of being in a university yeah. city. You get to work with um, uh, world-class talent like that, mm-hmm. um, who helped uh, sort of confirm the analysis. Um, so that was several years ago, and it was last year, two years ago, we had uh, Mayor Troxell from Fort Collins come down and talk about the idea. He's a big believer um, in it. They have a really innovative economy in a fantastic city, Fort Collins, um, where the university and the city works together really well. Um, and he was a mechanical engineering professor um, and a dean over at uh, Colorado State University, the land-grant university there. So he um, came down couple of years ago. Then last year, we had the big conference at UK. And then this mm-hmm. year, in September, again at UK, we're having uh, we the Knight Foundation uh, funded, along with the Kresge Foundation, funded the, the big conference last year. And then the Knight Foundation gave us some more money to fund some further research on this idea. So we're going to be um, introducing that research uh, in, um, on September, in September, I think September 20th at an event at UK. Awesome. I think, if, I think it's really cool to kind of designate Lexington as this next step. You know, just from being out of town myself, I know a lot of people think of it as just a college town. But when you get here, you realize it's so much more than that. Yeah, here's you know? the thing. It's, it's, it's the reason why all the university cities are growing so fast is that they are the place where startups are happening. They are the place where the knowledge economy is growing. Mm-hmm. Um, but these, these cities, we shouldn't pat ourselves on the back too much. Um, we were horrible performers in the 20th century economy. So yeah. when, you know, <laughs> manufacturing economy, none of these cities had significant, you know, ports or rivers. Yeah. yeah you know, they located all these land-grant universities. Not all land-grant, almost all of them are, you know, away from the big cities, um, middle of nowhere. And so you can look at the population trends over time, and they just... Um, we're pretty stagnant, but now, now that we've realized that, um, and uh, now that we've realized that brains and ideas and innovation and talent um, in a city with lots of arts and culture is um, where companies want to be, that they're mm-hmm. coming to where the talent is. Um, you see, all the university cities are growing at about twice the rate of the rest of the country. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. So what, what can the university um, do better to contribute and keep growing this idea of the university city? Because I know that they're you know, the core of this whole idea. So what, do, what steps do the university need to take in the future to keep this trend going and take it even to the next level? So there's, there's, there's two ways I would answer that. First of all, um, <clears throat> and I wouldn't say this too loudly, but all these, although I'm telling this to a podcast, so it's pretty loud, but... Uh, <laughs> um, all these effects happen naturally and organically. The effects that I was talking mm-hmm. about with mm-hmm. culture and entrepreneurship, it happens whether the city and the university work together or not. It mm-hmm. just, they just happen. Um, and interestingly, they, it's difficult for them, for other cities, to replicate all these effects. Right? As if, you're, if you're a city that really wants to grow your arts and culture sector, you can throw all your money at that and maybe move that um, move the metric on that. Um, if you want to build your entrepreneurship sort of ecosystem, you could, mm-hmm. you know, put all your energy towards that and maybe move it a bit over time. 
um, throw all your money into lowering your violent crime rate, potentially. It's very difficult to do. Um, but cities can't do all those things. Yeah. And all those things sort of magically happen um, in, in university cities. There is a way, um, there are many ways that the university and the city can work together um, to sort of to um, increase these effects, though. Uh, so right now, uh, just yesterday, there was a press conference on the Town Branch Commons, which is this linear park that's going to extend right through downtown. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be right in between the university and the downtown. And that's really significant because uh, when Mayor Gray had the idea for that, you know, part of it is that it follows the, the water source uh, around which Lexington was, um, was settled. Yeah. Um, but also, it's just right between the university and downtown. This is where um, ideas happen. This is where uh, you want people getting together. You want to build convening spaces so mm-hmm. people can get together, bounce ideas. In a, in a city based on ideas, mm-hmm. this is how they travel. Um, you know, when Tony Shea, the CEO of Zappos, created his um, sort of city within a city in the old part of Las Vegas um, around Zappos and, you know, filled it with tons of, of, of arts and culture and tons of places to just be, he counted the success of that project based on the number of um, um, people bouncing into each other. Um, yeah. You know, how can, where can people interact? This organic interaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the thing I love about that is that connects the university to downtown is I feel like a lot of students come to Lexington from out of state uh, and they come and they're just hanging out around campus. They don't necessarily check out downtown or they're not connected or don't have a feeling of connection to downtown. And I think that this has really changed that. So what we might see is more students staying in Lexington rather than going back to where they came from or moving to other cities because they're going to feel a better connection. Because they have that avenue to walk back and forth or get downtown. I think downtown was lacking for a while, and it, it's gotten better in, in this project and um, you know the the other park, the there's the Town Branch Trail and the Town Branch Commons Park, right? Mm-hmm. Or am I, I might be getting those names wrong. That's right. Um, but just you know all these quality of life things that are coming into the city are yeah. just it's going to do that. It's going to make it a place for people to come. Yeah, basically. Mayor Gray talks about all the time. Um, it used to be that people went to where the jobs were, and now the jobs go to where the talent is. Yeah. Um, and mobile talent can be anywhere, right? If you're graduating with a um, uh, from the University of Kentucky, you can you can move to you can move anywhere um, and find work. Um, and so the goal is how do we make Lexington a place that you want to stay and to attract others? And that's really the um, a big part of the economic development strategy. So you were talking about, you know, what else can we do? I mean, we can make Lexington a better city so folks want to stay, you know, a, a place where, um, you know, there's great food options and different mobility options and uh, lots of events going on, great housing downtown. That's something we need to work on on more. Um, but uh, that said, we are... Um, uh, you know, we are working with the, the university to, um, to sort of try to integrate folks in, in a better way. We just, you know, sort of jointly uh, launched the, the dockless bike share program here in Lexington, yeah. mm-hmm. SPIN. Um, that's really that's cool. one example. 
Where did that initiative come from? Was that an individual who had a business idea, or was that the city? Where did that come from? Well, we had looked at bike share way back when. Um, there was an experiment here in town, but it's really, the whole industry has just evolved. It'll it's like exploded. Yeah. yeah. And it's dockless is, is where it's at these days, and yeah. it's, it's, uh, they don't require any investment from the city, um, and the idea is that you get to ubiquity. So yeah. people will um, start to use them, not just tourists, but... Um, rely on them when there's a sense when there's always the sense that you can find one nearby mm-hmm. and so if you download the, the excuse me the, um, the spin app um, and if you have a general sense that yes I can ride to the store and uh, yes I'll be able to find one and ride home um, if people are, are um, have that sense uh, which we need to, to build towards then I think it's just going to explode this should be a bigger biking town yeah um, what's what's been uh, uh, what we need to work on more is some of the infrastructure around biking. Yeah, you've got Bird and Lime mm-hmm. that just yeah. exploded. The Any fastest company is still billion. Um, there are uh, there's 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 talk of scooters. Um, I'd be down scooters are a little different. <laughs> I would be too. I, I will admit, I used to live in Brooklyn and I commuted by um, scooter. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> I always thought it would be tough in New York or Brooklyn because the, or the street's not too crowded to just go down and. A sidewalk on a scooter, or is it not that bad? Um, street uh, sidewalks are definitely more more crowded, um, and I probably wouldn't try it in Manhattan, but in Brooklyn it worked. Okay, got it. Cool. I know the West Coast, LA and San Francisco, are both rushing yeah. to regulate. Them yeah. Right so now. it is really is a policy challenge. I'll tell you, this is you know with dockless bike share, um, you know we had to. Um, uh, sort of think through some of the um, policies that one might might implement around this to, to ensure safety. Um, you want to make sure that people understand the, the rules of the road mm-hmm. um, as well. This might be, you know, folks getting on bikes who haven't ridden um, in a while. There's some confusion about um, whether bikes or cars should act like cars or, or, or don't. And I know that there is some tension that that creates between drivers and, yeah. and cyclists. Um, you know, in, in some ways, it's the city's fault uh, when you don't have the um, really the infrastructure. Some cities are developing sort of separated bike lanes, so there's not that confusion. Um, you know, that's something that Lexington might uh, might look at. What's the uh, adoption? Do you have any insight on the adoption so far of the spin bikes? Because I work right downtown, you know, at Fuji, and there, a lot of our uh, my coworkers will take a, a bike to lunch or um, a bike just to go get coffee. Um, so what's the adoption right. looked like so far? As, you know, outside. So it's going really well. I mean, and it's and it's um, we did this again in partnership with with UK and school's not in session yet, and so mm-hmm. I think we're going to see a lot more when um, when folks are back in town. But I think the adoption is above what they thought. So That's it's great. So it's going well. And again, this is a pilot phase, mm-hmm. so we wanted to sort of get the pikes going, see what the usage looks looks like, have the company do the rebalancing, mm-hmm. so that they're not sitting out in the middle of nowhere um, and not being used and the bikes are where people want them. Um, so it's a pilot, so we're learning um, and it'll grow from there. Got it. And how did you go about choosing uh, this particular company's spin? Did they come to Lexington? Did you guys seek them out? What's that interaction look like? So there's a ton of companies doing, doing this now. Um, mm-hmm. We preferred um, spin. They approached us. Um, we preferred spin because, and again, they can come here um, uh, without without asking. Yeah. Um, they could simply just drop their bikes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
but they, I think they had an appreciation for the challenges this creates for city governments and safety issues. And they, um, you know, for us, they, they appear to want to um, work through those in a thoughtful way. Yeah. And so we're, we're um, comfortable with them. Proactive rather than reactive. Yeah. Asking for forgiveness. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. There are those companies that are, there are companies that are doing that. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's upset some folks. Yeah, for sure. That, that was the problem in San Francisco. Bird and Lime and mm-hmm. Jump and everyone just dropped all their yeah. transportation. It was just a fight. To yeah. see who can get the uh, most adoption because, you know. Right. And yeah. That's where all the funding was just going to them so Race quickly. To yeah. 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 Just dropping scooters. That's everywhere. what Uber <laughs> and Uber want because, I mean, Uber, you know, scaled so fast. That's true. Yeah. Billions of dollars a quarter. Mm-hmm. But in the long run, we'll see what happens. And they I mean, just they showed got... up in markets and yeah. then asked for forgiveness. That is true. Yeah. But um, cool. So so talking about innovation, and you, you talked about jobs earlier. Um, you know, we're both me and Evan are both involved in the the startup community in Lexington, and and that's something that we've discussed before. And you even mentioned it how we have a, a high rate of startup companies and entrepreneurs. Um, what are your thoughts on the space in general and? How do you see it growing and scaling forward? So this is, I, I, I feel, and not just because I work uh, here for the mayor, I, I do feel like Lexington is, um, could be the best place in the country to start a business right now. Um, a, there's lots of, again, lots of talent, lots of educated mm-hmm. talent coming out of the university. There's um, potential partnerships with folks at the university. Mm-hmm. Um, Two, you've got um, a cool city. People want to live here. There's lots, lots to do and, and, and more every day. Um, three, it's very low costs here in Lexington. I know sometimes it doesn't, it doesn't feel that way. Um, but if you look at the, the numbers, it is um, fairly low cost. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you, and that's helpful when you're, when you're starting a company. Um, the other another reason that I like to throw out <clears throat> we're going to talk about is the um, is the the fiber project. Yeah. Um, so there's not a company in the world now that doesn't rely in some way on the on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that there are uh, that companies that um, uh, these companies not only do they rely on the internet, but they but faster internet opens up more possibilities for them. Um, and here in Lexington, a project. We worked on for three years, um, uh, at least. Uh, Mayor Gray declared his his intention that Lexington should be a gigabit city. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something that grew out of the university city's idea that okay, we understand our economy a bit better, um, the character of our city. We know that the knowledge economy is fueled by connectivity and fiber. We need to get out in front um, and make sure that this connectivity comes to this world-class infrastructure comes to Lexington and is as widely spread as possible. Um, So, but that was, uh, uh, really the the mayor was was, um, uh, bold in making that claim because at the time that that we would become a gigabit city, because at the time the only city that had done it was Chattanooga and they got a hundred million dollars from the federal government to do it. So there's, you know, Google Fiber was doing some neighborhoods in some cities, and then they yeah. pulled back. So there was no model out there for a citywide fiber network. Mm-hmm. Um, some smaller towns have had bonded um, to do it. 
um, or some smaller towns. I think Santa Barbara had sort of built on a city fiber network over time, but no significant size city had ever yeah. had done it. Um, Why did Ch Chattanooga get that federal investment? So yeah. they, they own their own electric utility. And so mm -hmm. this elect electric utility is part of um, a big manufacturing plant nearby wanted to provide sort of a higher level of, um, uh, uh, there's a term for it in the electricity industry. Uh, basically, they, they didn't want their electric grid to be down mm -hmm. um, for any significant periods due to weather or what have you. So they were going to invest in this smart grid, um, sort of fiber in their electric grid to ensure that if there's you know, a power outage somewhere, they pinpoint it right away and can fix it right away. So it was really a promise to, I think it was the VW plant um, that was moving in not too far away. And so, um, so they were investing in this, in this smart grid for electricity, and it was really just an incremental investment from there yeah. to be able to deliver um, uh, super fast internet along with that. And so they, um, post-recession, they got a, uh, coming out of their session, they got $100 million from the Department of Energy. Um, that certainly helps. But again, they're yeah. a smaller city. They're, you know, half our size. They don't have a major research university. Mm -hmm. So I think that, um, and they've already seen a billion dollars worth of um, economic development. I yeah. think wow. that, uh, sorry, $800 million. Um, although maybe a billion by now. That study was three years ago. Mm -hmm. um, I think that we, Lexington, can leverage this um, to a greater degree because of the research university, because of the um, the type of economy that that we already had here. I mean, Chattanooga is more of a post-industrial city. We are sort of a knowledge economy city um, that really thrives and will thrive on fiber. And so, so we are going to be the largest gigabit city in the country. That's um, so cool. It's like they're spending seventy to one hundred million bucks. They are. Metronet, they've started wiring parts of the city um, north of Richmond Road. Um, they're going to um, head off into other parts of, of the city they have already. They're turning on their first customers in um, July. That quickly? Uh, July, August. Wow. I mean, it's it's uh, getting pretty close. Yeah. Um, it's at the end of summer. Mm. And so this is, I mean, this is very cheap gigabit level service. Um, if I were starting a company and was working out of my, you know, a spare room in, in my house um, and I could get a gig, uh, I think I'd be pretty, pretty for, for not $8,000, which is what it might have cost uh, way back when, yeah. um, but for, I don't know, 50, 60, 70, 80, something less than 100, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think that's, that's, uh, that's something that could help me. So Lexington is going to be the biggest city in the United States with this, this, this infrastructure. What are your hunches as far as what's that going to lead to? Because there's not any case studies. There's not any That's you right. know, examples. So what are some of the things you expect to come out of this? So we, we're, um, we, we got this great uh, uh, message that was sent to the mayor, um, a fellow who had gone to UK, uh, gone off to work, uh, talented, Sounds like software developer um, had a startup idea. Um, was nursing that, took a job out in Seattle with Microsoft. Um, but his idea began to grow, and he heard about the fiber project, and so felt like now's the time to move back to Lexington. I'm going to grow this company um, in Lexington, 
And so that's that's one story. It's an uh, an anecdote, not data. But I think that the is that Tony Schmidt. Um, I think that is Free track. Yeah. Yes, that We're is. We're going to have him on a, an upcoming episode. I love that story yeah. because I do think that um, fiber is going to have an uh, attractive uh, uh, gravitational pull on on folks. It's just too. Uh, um, it's, it's, it's too much of a requirement for today's businesses to have sort of fast, cheap um, internet service. And to be, you know, at the whim of, a, of a, um, you know, one provider and whatever rate increase they want to give you, and whatever sort of outage they, they, they want to hand to you is not a comfortable place for any startup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it always feels like, you know, with, with more of the traditional ISPs, like it always changes. And there's it just from a consumer standpoint it feels like there's no security in that so knowing that this reliable gigabit internet service is available from an entrepreneur's mindset is definitely a pull yeah i mean it's just pure opportunity if you think of it in just the greatest form you know all these new business models whether it's streaming like netflix or uber and all these uh you know internet of things is going to you know continue to grow and so having this internet and this the speeds just leads to opportunity and new business models. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, that's right. That's exactly right. It's not just startups. It's any any business. That's if true. If you rub any business up against unlimited bandwidth, yeah, you that creates new opportunities. I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's given me a really special project, and it's really got me excited about what's coming. Yeah. Uh, what's the timeline for covering the whole city? So it's a, it's a three year project. Mm-hmm. Um, they started in started construction in January, um, so to, to cover the city, take about three years, and that's going to extend to the urban services boundary, right? Okay, sort of um, connectivity in the rural part of the county outside the boundary is a wholly different thing, and yeah. it's very difficult, very expensive. That that is something that we're working on on a separate track. I feel like that's where five G can come in. We we did just do a five G experiment. We were one of we were the largest um, uh, um, experimental um, spot for five G for Spectrum. Um, oh, really? It's a big pilot project in our rural area. Um, worked really well. This is we're talking about you know a hundred megs mm-hmm. wirelessly. Yeah. Over uh, miles. I mean, it's uh, it is was that that famous Arthur C. Clarke quote that um, you know modern technology is uh, tends to be indistinguishable from magic. Yeah, like that's that's magic right there. Yeah, that's an insane wireless connection. That'd be cool. Hopefully, that pans out and get high speed across the entire county. Um, right before we wrap up, is there anything else that we didn't touch on that? you've been working on or you think would be cool to highlight about the innovation going on in the city? Yeah, sure. I mean, this, uh, you know, another project we're working on is um, uh, we just, we're upgrading the, um, the 311 app, the city app. Mm-hmm. Um, you can download it and you can sign up for uh, notifications. That's something new that we're starting where, you know, it's a tough garbage. thing to develop. Yeah, well, we've been working out for a while. Um, yeah. It's it's uh, so if your garbage, you know, is going to be picked up Tuesday instead of Monday, you get a text. That's really cool. uh, when leaf collection is going to happen. You get a text in advance, so you can, um, you know, rake your leaves. Uh, and over time, I think we'll be adding to that. And the whole idea is that, you know, we think 
We think the city governments um, does a pretty good job. I think it does a really good job. Um, we have a high-performing government, but sometimes where we fall down is telling people, you know, yeah. pe um, telling people what we're doing, um, just communicating a little bit. So we've got a couple of different um, projects where we're going to be doing that in a better way. Um, like if you lob something into 301, making sure you get the email back saying, yeah. you know, here's what you said, we're working on it, we'll send you another email when, um, when it's done. Mm -hmm. So those little things, you know, that are widespread, you know, anything you order online, you get that confirmation um, kind of thing. Yeah, just, yeah. it sort of builds, um, just lets people, just letting people, giving people a heads up um, gets you a very long way. And that's something that, that we're working on as yeah. well. I think it builds a relationship between yeah. the people and the, the government. If they have that interaction, they have that notification, they have a reason to think about the government. Because I think a lot of people disconnect themselves with the government, but if you have an app that reminds you, hey, you should rake your leaves, oh, well, I got leaves in my yard, I'm gonna do that. <laughs> that yeah. creates a relationship there. So I think it's a really cool project as well. That's great. Well, I love the, um, the theme of this podcast, Long on Lexington. Um, I think there's lots of folks uh, you know, who are, um, who are taking another look at Lexington staying here. There are folks like my wife who went off, uh, uh, lived in, in, in other places and mm -hmm. highly, highly trained folks, um, who are now wanting to come back. Yeah. Uh, we moved back here seven, seven years ago. Um, she's a, a physician at UK and these are, you know, because Lexington is a cool place to live. Um, lots of fun stuff, lots of opportunity. Um, and you just get a sense, you know, we'll just walk down Main Street. I was walking down Main Street yesterday with the mayor on the way to um, the Town Branch Commons press conference. Mm -hmm. And just looking at um, everything that's happened uh, during his time, things that he pushed for, the 21C, which is an amazing yeah. facility. Yeah, if you haven't gone there um, to the free um, sort of contemporary museum they have, Pretty amazing. Um, the old courthouse. Yeah, that Bruce space Dory. is beautiful. I was just in there the other day. Yeah, that's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, I mean, that that was a tough choice, right? Thirty million dollars. I mean, eight million in tax credits, but that's a lot of money to spend. But it's right in the heart of the city. Exactly. Um, uh, points gotten going. Now we're going to have the convention center moving um, and expanding. Mm -hmm. uh, we're gonna, uh, they're gonna open up the front of Rupp onto, um, in this really inspiring sort of uh, architecture, yeah. uh, really accessible, up, in a, up onto Triangle Park, um, mm -hmm. Town Branch Park, Town Branch Commons, connecting 22 miles of trail yeah. along there. We're gonna have our first um, separated bike lanes on uh, uh, Midlands um, and along the Town Branch Commons. When Euclid is redone um, shortly, it's going to have separated bike lanes. Um, the city just seems to be on fire. Um, yeah. And uh, it feels like you're at the right place to be. Yeah. And I think it's palpable. I think people can feel that. I can think they're moving for in the sure. right direction. Yeah. That's why we're long on life. That's why, <laughs> yeah, that's why we started the podcast and why we were doing the series. So yeah. I think this was a great first episode to kick it off. For sure. Thanks again for joining us. Yeah, yeah thanks for having me. This is fun. It.